It's finally here. Spring has sprung. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of April 18, and that is well into spring here in central Alabama, but surprisingly, this spring particularly March and here the first part of April, have been unusually cool. Yeah, we've had a a few hot days interspersed, but then like Sunday, this past Sunday was just, felt like winter was back a little bit. It was windy and rainy and gloomy and chilly. (laughs) So um, as far as my planting schedule, um, I've been delayed partly intentionally and partly just by by the things I haven't gotten done when I wanted to. But uh, yesterday and the day before were the days I really got out and killed myself in the garden. So I guess it's that's my version of when spring has sprung. Exactly. That's when you know that spring is here, when you start working from early morning until late at night. And I'm saying, honey, come on in. It's, It's nighttime. But let's talk about some of the things we've gotten done. Well, first of all, I had to go out there and pull pretty much the rest of the fall veg. There are a couple of little collard plants still out there and uh, about three red Russian kale plants that, even though they're they're showing signs of bolting a little bit, I, I trim those seed heads off and I'm going to try to squeeze every last drop out of that kale if I can. <laughs> and we're pretty much in that mode where everybody who comes here, whether they want one or not, is leaving with a collard. That's right. With a bunch of collards. So. Yeah, and I took down the Brussels sprouts and uh, pulled up the rest of the turnips, and they were pretty puny by this point. There wasn't much there. And beets and that kind of thing uh, in preparation for planting the spring veg. And, uh, of course, all that's been planted thus far are the... Um, transplants that I purchased that were good size, sweet potatoes and tomatoes and that, or some of the tomatoes, but, and it's timed, it's time to plant those. I'm usually pretty, uh, if the weather seems as if it's going to get brutally cold again, I wouldn't plant sweet potatoes, but I think we've turned the corner that yes, we're looking at maybe having one day this weekend with a little yeah, we're chill looking in the at air, a but day uh, tomorrow actually when we think it may be kind of rainy and blustery and nasty and uncomfortable, but we think that may be our last wintry day. Yeah, and I, and that's not low enough temperature to hurt the sweet potatoes because uh, I think the high was sixty was proje- projected to be sixty five or something like that, so it won't be bad. Yeah. Um, so moving on to our update, the garlic is looking wonderful. It just it's the happiest we've ever seen I garlic know. here. I, and and the fact that I was able to plant it more intensively, um, I have that much more garlic we can enjoy. And now it's going to come down to just treating it properly once it's harvested, which is what I did not do last year. Um, but, you know, the other thing that's happening out there is we've had to terminate the rest of the fall cover crops. Well, I want to get back. The garlic, oh, the garlic will come yeah. out of the ground, we're thinking, the, toward the latter part of May. Is that right? You know, all bets are off because a, a lot has to do with how fast it heats up. Last year, I ended up harvesting it a little bit ahead of schedule 
month-wise just because it was showing signs of needing to be harvested, which is that those so many of those stalks turn yellow and brown. And we will do the same thing this year, you're thinking. Yes. Whenever it is, that's when it's Whenever coming it out of the ground. Whenever it is that over half the stalks turn yellow and brown, And we will have to, to be careful to, to do so at a time when it has been somewhat dry. Right. We should, should take all the water away from that bed. Um, as far as irrigation, for a week, and uh, hopefully pick a week that it's dry, as you said, that it doesn't get rainfall, because it's better if you do allow it to dry out for a week. Right. And you were talking about terminating fall cover crops when yeah. I so rudely interrupted you. Oh, that's you. okay. Uh, yes, we enjoyed looking out at the, the remaining black oats and uh, the wheat that was still out there, but it was time. So now all the lupin and the crimson clover along with the black oats and the wheat, are gone and to make way for seedlings that, or seeds that need to be planted. And if I may interject here, uh, our normal mode is terminate cover crop using the hedge trimmer. My gas hedge trimmer is on the fritz, and it's, it's being sick, and it's spending some time at the doctor's office right now. Uh, and in desperation, I purchased a pair of clippers and use them to terminate a couple of the beds. Our, the beds are, as you probably remember, sequentially numbered. We are on our way to 16 beds. And the beds on which we terminated cover crop are 7, 8, 11, 12, and the bottom half of 16. Um, but what really did the trick for terminating the cover crop, which I, I may use now even after we get the weed eater back, is the uh, I mean, after the after we get the hedge trimmer back, is the weed eater. The weed eater just really moved through that cover crop. And the advantage it offers over the hedge trimmer is that in the process, it cuts it up. You, know, you don't have long stalks that are down on the ground because the weed eater tends to chew it up into smaller pieces. So I'm liking the way it's... Um, bringing down the cover crop and well, I'm loving the way the cover crop is looking in the bed when I terminate one of these tall cover crops there's so much moisture down in there you can tell that everything's damp and cool and just so much biomass it really did and as I've pointed out before I seeded it heavily and it really did seem to do a good job of keeping the weeds from entering Absolutely. that way. And the other thing that's neat that I noticed right before you terminated those is seeing an abundance of ladybugs in those in those crops. Okay. Um, and I've and one thing I've done in my reading about cover crops is is um, learning that they do harbor helpful uh, predatory insects. So um, that's one thing that's good to to offer, I guess, as an advantage for ha planting cover crops. And one other thing to think about, all of these beds that have had cover crop growing on them have a ready-made covering of mulch. All you're going to do is just kind of pull the mulch aside and plant and let the mulch close back in around it. So mm -hmm. it's going to be nice. I yeah, think. yeah, I think we'll, we'll, it's part of my experimentation on the best way to mulch. You know? yeah. <laughs> we'll find Let, out. Let's talk strawberries. Oh, they are so pretty, aren't they? We have one entire bed that is nothing but strawberries. You planted that in the fall? In the fall. Mm -hmm. What time? Do you remember? October, I want to say. Yeah, and it's been sort of anemic 
uh, in its growth during the winter, which we expected it would be. But it has all of a sudden um, found its sunshine, and boy, are those strawberries looking good. Nice big ones. They don't just look good. We've already eaten some. They taste good. <laughs> they, they are tasty, sweet, and the largest berries we've had so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've been really good. I finally got around to mulching them the end of last week and putting what I, well, you know, we should go back and say, I mulched them when I first put them out with weed guard. And then half of the weed guard blew away in a, in a stiff breeze one day. And I ended up not putting anything else back on there. I should have, but didn't. Got through the winter just fine. And the weed guard that was still on the strawberries had already deteriorated pretty much. Had, hmm. um, which, if you need proof that it does go back to organics, it, it you know at least it appears to be doing that. And um, But I came just and put straw, I'm, I'm sorry, hay. I put hay around each plant, um, mostly just so the soil wouldn't splash up onto the berries and onto the leaves. Yeah, that's an issue with those strawberries. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we pick them and they've gotten dirt splashed up on them, they're yeah. kind of gritty, yeah. so we have to rinse them off. So I've put some hay, and I may end up trying to put some more. And I think the question will be, how fast do the weeds take back over with the hay as opposed to having a layer of something like weed guard or newspaper? Um, and probably next year when I'm starting with a new bed, I'll do the weed guard again and then put down a layer of um, mulch to hold it down so it won't blow away and see how well that keeps the weeds down. But at this point in the season, since after the berries are gone, I'll probably pull these and then put some fall veg there and start over with another Camarosa crop, which is what these are, Camarosa for next year. Um, But I like this because I don't see myself getting taken over by a bunch of weeds during the end of the summer, which is what happened to the in-ground uh, matted rose strawberries I did before. So um, anyway, all is good in the strawberry world as far Sounds as we're concerned. Sounds good. Uh, my brother Tom and I are making good progress on that last rank of raised beds. We have one through three in and filled with soil. We have one more bed to build, and then we will be out of the business of building raised beds. We don't expect ever to have more than 16 raised beds, at least on Veg Hill. It should be enough. That's right, on Veg Hill. We may do something up at the lodge. Who knows? But But, um, as soon as we get that last bed built, then I will be able to come in and begin dripping one through eight which I know will be a real relief for you. You're ready yes. for that to happen. i got to plant some stuff there. That's right. We have one bed that has spring peas growing nicely, and we've actually sampled a few of them, and they are delicious. They are so sweet. And we have some, they're supposed to be erect or low-growing spring peas on the west side of that bed, but they look for all the world as anxious to find a trellis as the other. So... Time will tell what becomes of them. I guess if pushed to do so, we might be able to come up with a little demi trellis for them mm-hmm. or something. Right. And it's not a long-lasting thing because when the really hot weather comes, they'll be gone. And then I'll be planting. Uh, my plan is to plant purple hull peas in their place on the trellis, existing trellis, and just plant something else beside it. Let's see. I think I told myself I was going to plant eggplant on the other side of it. Okay. So. Fair enough. Um, the asparagus is sending up spears, but very slowly. Mm-hmm. 
we're disappointed so far with the yeah. progress of the asparagus spears. I guess I sort of thought that with 50 crowns, we would be seeing lots more spears by now. Yeah, we, we kind of hoped to. And I, I can't understand what we would have done wrong because they the ferns last year looked great. Yeah, the ferns, ferns came up mm-hmm. and looked very healthy and, you know, put out lots of growth and... You know, all the signs were positive, but here we are waiting for these spears to come up, and so far they haven't. But, you know, we've got maybe six or seven spears that have come up, and we're hopeful. We're not giving up on them, of course. Yeah, they were a little later than we expected to even start, so it could be they're waiting around for the weather to warm up a little bit more, and, of course, at some point it'll get too hot um, for consuming them actually we've decided to quit consuming them now yeah out of caution we decided okay if we've got this few spears let's not harvest any spears uh even though we technically could be harvesting them for two weeks we just decided okay let's stop eating them let's let everything that comes up go to ferns but we did the few that we did eat they tasted really good so sweet (laughs) Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Materially different from the taste of asparagus we buy in the grocery store. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. You've made good progress with your seedlings. We are out yeah. of the heat mat grow light that's uh, right. mode At now. least until. And that's a relief for our power bill. Yeah, it is. And I'll have to figure out what I'm going to do about the fall crop seedlings, but. Um, you know, we may need to use the heat mat for a little while to get the germination going and then um, the grow light for a little while to get them started. And then with the kind of weather we should be having by July, I would think natural light should take Can't over. imagine we would need heat mat in July. Probably not. Depending, Yeah, that's, I could probably put them in that storage room and then yeah. get, get plenty room. But until July, I'm out of the business of having to... Um, start a seedling uh, from any, just, you know, start a seedling tray. And I probably will do a bit more bumping up, especially on the tomatoes, but they're making good progress. What most of our seedlings, I started with soil blocks and um, they were at that stage that the roots were beginning to sort of in the tray grow together. So I separated all the plants out and now everybody's in a cell pack and a few of the plants were large enough that I actually was able to put them in a small individual container. Um, so, um, and, and some of that, like basil, I won't wait for it to get a whole lot bigger. I'll take it directly from a cell pack right out to the garden. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling encouraged about that. And they're in the process of hardening off. Every day they're getting a good bit of sun, and um, so some of those will begin to go into, into the garden next week. Okay. We are, as you know, uh, focused on growing up from those raised beds. So you have calculated how many trellises we need. We have one set of trellis already in place for the spring peas. And you told me this morning that we will need five additional trellises. Right. And the way I figured that is what we're going to trellis, some of it traditionally trellis, like lima beans and um, pole beans. But... We're going to, to trellis plants that a lot of people don't normally trellis to gain ourselves some extra space out there in the since we're working with raised beds. So squash, going to trellis some squash. You're talking about summer squash. Summer squash and winter squash. And we're going to trellis, try to do the cantaloupes. Uh, we'll see how well that works. Um, 
the uh, cucumbers, the sweet potatoes, um, and maybe even... And tomatoes, of course. Oh, tomatoes, of course. Yes, they automatically. But we don't put a trellis down the middle. You're not counting those among the six. We're not trellis. Oh, I see. I have to do the five additional plus the tomato trellis. Yeah. Okay. Just checking. (laughs) But the tomato trellis is more PVC pipe that we tie up. And yeah, but you do need to include it in my count because I need to know how many T-posts I'm ah, going to need you're right. and the I tomato d- trellis so needs. That's an additional one. That's T-posts. true. Yeah. So, um, but we think that we'll gain a, a lot from doing this this way. As I said, better control um, of where the little vines go, the big vines, but also um, just hopefully keeping down pests and uh, weeds that want to grow up under there the the only one i'm thinking the pumpkins and the watermelons may just have to be allowed to sprawl because they're so big and potentially right around those raised beds we don't try to have grass that you keep mowed i'll just do the old put some cardboard and hay down so that those can sprawl onto an area that doesn't have to be oh brother well, it's an experiment. We'll see how it All works. Right. But I don't want to give up having watermelon and pumpkins. Oh, I don't either. We have raised beds. Yeah. Okay. Um, a couple of things from the orchard front. Uh, our golden kiwi gave us a real scare because we put them in the ground and then we had a 29 degree, I think, maybe 28 mm-hmm. degree uh, frost. And I had them wrapped and the the foliage on them died back and i was nervous that we might have lost the trees but we didn't everything all four golden kiwi have survived that scare well and they are putting out fresh foliage they look pretty I know. they I do like the they look green. great um great news about our blueberries in our fire that i started in january uh, I didn't realize it at the time because they were dormant, but apparently I killed about half the blueberries, uh, at least above the ground. And now many of those that did not put on foliage are sending up fresh growth. So that's a, a real relief for me. That means I don't have to put out, you know, I got, don't have to go get an, another plant to put there. So I'm letting all of that matriculate and just see how much, how many of them send up fresh growth. And maybe I'll be down to a handful that we need to replace. Yeah, and we can do that next fall. We'll be fine. That's right. Um, this year, for the first year, we should have plums. Ooh, that's Because exciting. we've got a good bit of blooming on the Bruce plums. I noticed the Ozark premieres are blooming. The methley still hasn't bloomed. It was there for the purpose of blooming, and it's not doing any blooming, so I don't know exactly what that means. (laughs) Um, We should have pears this year, and I guess the most excited I am is about our peaches because we had a lot of blooming on our peaches this year. The Sam Houston, um, two or three of the June Gold, the Harvester, the August Prince, all of them have put on blooms. So, you know, time will tell, of course, but it looks positive. Yay, because I love peaches. I love all of those fruits. So can't wait to uh, see them come to fruition. Yeah. Well, that's a good uh, visit with you, and thank you for helping us uh, get through all of that. We just had to sort of think through what, what everything's 
doing here as we approach the main um, bulk of the growing season. Hope your growing is going well, and we look forward to visiting with you again soon. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.